Welcome to the Professional Services Pursuit, a podcast featuring expert advice and insights on the professional services industry. I'm Banu, and today I'm joined by Elon Gendelman. Elon has significant experience in building, scaling, and growing world-class customer success and professional services organizations in SaaS companies. He's worked for companies such as DBT Labs and SI Sense, and recently went out on his own and started the consulting company, The Gendelman Group. Elon, welcome to the show. I'm looking forward to our conversation. I think the topics are going to be very interesting to our listeners, speaking about great professional services culture and ultimately what makes up a world-class professional services organization. So thanks for making the time to have this conversation with me. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited. Fantastic. I know I introduced you to the listeners, but I'd like to give you the opportunity to do that even more justice and let them know what you've been up to. Yeah, thank you. So in the last 12 years, I've been very fortunate to lead customer success and professional service organizations at HP Software, Hortonworks, Cloudera, SciSense, DBT Labs, and customer success at Splice Machine. So I've worked in large companies and small companies and everything in between and uh, have the battle scars to prove it. My hope in this podcast is to share some of the lessons learned that I've learned the hard way and share that with the audience, and hopefully that'll be helpful. That's awesome. It's often said in SaaS companies that ARR is king, and nothing is more important than ARR, and that's understandable. That impacts the bottom line. But what is the role of professional services in helping drive that ARR and and the significance of the professional services? Because that's usually undervalued and underlooked or underprioritized. And then why do you think PS is so important and what differentiates a good PS org from a world-class PS org? I know this is a pretty loaded question, but we'll tackle it bit by bit. (laughs) That's a great question. So if I take a step back, I generally agree that ARR is king. The margin on ARR is around 90%, give or take. Performing PS organizations get to margin of 30 or 40%. So it absolutely makes sense for certainly a SaaS company to invest more in, in ARR. Having said that, Having a PS organization is absolutely critical. Why is that? Because enterprise-grade SaaS platforms don't implement themselves. I used to talk to customers about some of the products that I've led, and I would often say the best thing about the product, it's super configurable. The most challenging part of the product, it's super configurable. And you can really hurt yourself if you don't do it right. And that's exactly where the PS organization comes in. I also think about PS as the long game. The sale is for here and now, this quarter, but the mission of the PS organization is to really focus on renewals, expansions, minimizing churn, and get customers to success using the product as quickly as possible. So if you look at the company tool belt, uh, PS, professional services, really the best tool, the tip of the spear in the company's tool belt to accomplish that. And that's really the value of professional services. In addition, the professional services organization can also identify opportunities with existing customers and bring that opportunities back to the sales team and then upsell, cross-sell, and look for additional usage and consumption and value from the product. Yeah, I would agree. And and I think the PS, the richness of knowledge, domain expertise, just product, but often domain expertise brings credibility to any sales discussion as well. I, I completely agree with you on the important role the PS 
can play in both securing a sale, but also in ensuring a great client experience and sustaining a client. But that being said, then, what differentiates a good PS org from a world-class PS org? The latter is where we all strive to be. Yeah. Another great question. The way I think about this is first to define the professional services mission. What is the mission of the organization? Is it to achieve financial KPIs like bookings, billings, marginalization? No, that's not very inspiring. The mission of a professional service organization is to accelerate success for the company's customers by partnering with them to implement their use case as quickly as possible. That is the mission of a professional service organization. And if done right, all the other KPIs follow. So that mission is really, really important. Why is that important? Because it formulates how the professional services team think about themselves and their role within the company and the value that they add to the customers and to the company, and also how other organizations refer to professional services. For example, sales, support, marketing, engineering, etc. So that mission, first and foremost, drives really everything. So the mission has to be communicated frequently to both the professional services team and to the other organizations to ensure that the company understands that mission. Second, of course, is the culture. And that's very, very important. Yeah. And we'll dive into that. I'd like to understand a little bit more about the cultural component. In your opinion, what helps create a real strong culture in a PS organization? And how do we get the PS organizations to define that culture and have that commitment to the culture? So culture is one of those intangible things. If you're part of an organization, you know in your gut whether you have a great culture or you don't. And I spent a lot of time thinking about this, reading, and came up with a few building blocks that helped me create what I think is a fantastic culture in the organizations that I've led. And here's what it looks like and how to create it. The first one is the mission. We spoke about the mission of the PS organization to accelerate value and results for customers. But having said that, beyond the mission, the first element of a great culture is trust. The professional services leadership team has to trust the team to execute and execute well. I would start from 100% trust and give that trust to the team to execute and even sometimes fail or run into challenges. And when the team runs into challenges, obviously they can raise the flag and the help will be provided. But trust is absolutely critical. No high-performing organization can function without a high degree of trust between its members. Second element of a high-performing culture is learning. Everything that's been done, every process, every project, every tool, every offering is an opportunity to learn what's working well, what's not working well, how to do better. And that comes from the top and is taught by example. There's a tool that is frequently used in the military called the debrief. So if anybody of the listeners has been in the military, you know this firsthand. The debrief is really, really simple, but it's difficult. And I'll explain why. The debrief includes three key questions. And these are simple questions. What went well? What did not go well? And how can we improve and do better moving forward? Really simple, right? But mm-hmm. the difficult part is to instill that in every project, every call, every operation, 
and make sure that every single member of the team gets to speak. Sometimes you have those calls where only one or two vocal people speak and everybody else keeps quiet. No, no, no. That's not how the debrief works. Everybody can speak, should speak, and articulate what went well, what didn't go well, and what can we do to improve moving forward and make sure to document those lessons learned and share them across the organization. And that can be really anybody in the team. For example, if the leader of a team or a leader of a project didn't do anything, everything well, then they should absolutely come forward and, and share that so other people can learn. So learning culture is really, really important. And over time, the organization will learn from its mistakes and do better and do better and do better. And that's how high-performing teams do extremely well, both in the business world and in the military. Another element of a high-performing culture is training. Continuously invest in training of the team. And that can be both in a technical perspective and in what I call here soft skills. So not just the ability to implement the product extremely well and know the adjacent technologies like cloud, security, DevOps, what have you, really, really well, but also how to work with customers, how to manage expectations, how to manage scope, how to manage escalations. And that takes time and a lot of practice. It's really convenient for PS organization to focus on high utilization targets, to neglect that. What I would highly recommend is to take a step back and think about the long game and invest in training of the team ongoing every quarter spend a day or two training the team and making them better. Another element is team differentiation. The most high-performing team like to think themselves as special, as unique to differentiate from other teams. So what I've done in the past, and that worked really, really well, is to work with my team to design a hoodie, a jacket, a backpack that distinguishes the team from other teams in the organization and you wear that in customer calls, in internal calls, that makes a lot of difference. So the little things do matter. And having that unique apparel really helps differentiate the spirit of the team. The last element, and it can go on and on, but the last element is urgency. I'm a strong believer in urgency. So you can have a high-performing team, but if there's no urgency to execute and do things now as opposed to a week from now, is really, really important. So urgency in everything that's been done, and that can be demonstrated from the leadership all the way down again and again and again. And the key thing really is to lead by example. I love all those areas that you raised. And I think they're all critical to optimal client as well as employee experience, right? All of those are critical success factors to ensure that you're retaining a highly effective team and they're staying with you. They're not changing jobs every so many months or a year because as you invest in training and all the elements that you talked about, it's great to be able to have an environment for the team to prosper and feel happy in and all the aspects that you spoke about is going to create that environment, that cultural elements, all the cultural elements you discussed, I think is going to bring about a healthy PS organization that hopefully people want to stick around and continue to grow with. Great suggestions. That being said, I want to kind of pivot a little bit because we talked about culture and the elements of the effective culture within a PS organization. But I want to talk about something that is always a challenge, especially within 
embedded services within a software SaaS company, which is that interplay of a sales organization with PS. How do we need to formulate that PS culture to make sure that and influence the sales culture to be able to play well together and at the end, make sure the company and our clients are benefiting from us playing well. I've seen this time and time again, and I'm sure the listeners have too. I think the key point to think about and position PS as a value add in the sales cycle instead of a tax. What does that mean? When professional services are introduced early in the sales cycle, and perform discovery and understanding the use case, that can do a few things. One is instill trust and confidence in the team's ability to execute and deliver the project and deliver the customized solution that is needed to meet the customer use cases. And also to provide confidence about the outcome and the timeline. I've experienced firsthand several times in which when the professional services team participated in the discovery phase and the the sales call, a small use case turned into a much larger use case and increased the deal size. And that really provides significant value both to the customer and to the sales team. When done correctly, it really infuses a sense of collaboration and partnership between the potential customer and the company. As I said before, the best software, the best SaaS is highly customizable. It doesn't implement itself. And introducing that early in the sales cycle is absolutely critical. Another element that's really, really important is to enable and train the sales team on the mission and the value of the professional services organization so they too can understand that this is more of a long game. The focus is not just on selling the solution this quarter but to provide a roadmap for implementation that the customer can then use, get value, and then renew, expand, and get additional benefits from the product. Yeah, I wonder how many organizations, SaaS companies, actually include the professional services team, at least their professional services leaders, in their sales kickoff, for example, right? Because we know that sales kickoff is the means that everyone uses to basically celebrate victory, but also to energize forward. And if the services team is part of the team, the sales, the quarterback that actually brings the win about, then getting them engaged and and building that team and camaraderie between sales in activities like that seem to be quite an important step. But I was just wondering... I know that there is different ways that SaaS companies structure their service sales responsibilities. Do you have any ideas and thoughts around best practices? Would you think that it's better to have a dedicated service sales team within sales or outside of PS or have a certain role within PS that contributes a certain percentage of their time to productive utilization, but not billable utilization, providing input and estimating the services during the sales process. Any particular thoughts about how best to structure that within a SaaS company? Yes. And I've seen both models and I've experienced both models, the good and the bad and the ugly. And where I am in that equation is that I strongly believe that the 
PS organization has to contribute to sales directly and not have a sales team dedicated solely for services. Why is that? I believe that the organization that delivers has to be the one to understand the use case, to scope out the project, compose a statement of work, and work with the sales team to establish that trust and sell both services and the product. When you have all this done in-house, internally in professional services, and that can be done by a regional director or a senior architect that focuses some of his or her time on scoping, I found that this works the best because there's a sense of ownership. From my experience, if you have a sales team that's only dedicated to selling services and there's no accountability because they don't deliver, uh, you lose some of the focus and the details that you need in order to scope out engagements and price them correctly. So I believe that professional services should play a key role in sales and work very, very closely with the sales team to scope services and sell them. Yeah, I wonder how you measure success for team members within PS that would engage in the sales activity. Clearly, you know, sales is driven by sales and sales targets. Because in some ways, if you want teams to play well, there has to be some common elements of measurement, I think, that they're both striving, some common objectives they're both striving towards, right? And so I know we talked about ARR being king in, in SaaS companies. I wonder what that is. Any thoughts? Yes. What I've used before is to provide a target of bookings or services sales to team members who are tasked with performing those tasks. So every quarter as part of a bonus structure, there's a bookings target that the team strives to accomplish and hopefully exceed as well. And I guess part of it is about how you look at utilization as well. I would be curious about where you have billable utilization. I know a lot of companies are looking at productive utilization and what you include and do not include in productive utilizations. Any thoughts on that? Yes. Team members who are tasked with scoping and composing statements of work, the billable utilization target will go down and that can be 30 or 40%. But the sales activities are absolutely part of the good utilization, for lack of a better term, and that absolutely falls in. It's an essential part of the services process and flywheel. PS organization cannot function with a healthy sales pipeline. To wrap up, I just wanted to see if you have any last great advices that you want to leave with a team on how they can build their world-class PS organization and how they can have that organization work effectively hand-in-hand with sales because ultimately that's what's going to drive success for the company and their revenue target. I think about professional services and sales as a team sport work together, both sides of the the same coin. So in order to make high-performing PS organization, there has to be a concept of what I call here the flywheel. So sales brings PS into the scoping discussions. Professional services scopes out the engagements. The sale is being made. The project is started successfully. Professional services identifies additional opportunities, brings sales into the table, into the discussion, and the flywheel continues on and on and on. And when done extremely well, magic happens. I've been very fortunate to see that magic in action, and it's phenomenal. So my word of advice, my recommendation is to 
try to create the flywheel between sales and professional services and amazing things would happen. I have to ask this question with respect to flywheel because every SaaS organization now has a customer success team, whatever that team may be called. I want to ask you about your thoughts about where they fit in as the third wheel into this and in their role. Yes. According to my experience, the customer success organization is responsible for renewals and expansions. So we haven't touched on this so far, but there are certain professional services offerings that are geared specifically to renewals and expansions. And one of them is what I call here a solution review or a health check, which is to come in six months before renewals, pop up the hood on the customer implementation, see what's working well, what's not working well, provide recommendations for alignment, and build that pipeline. So I see customer success in this model very similar to sales. Sales is responsible in a lot of cases for new customers. Customer success is responsible for renewals, preventing churn. Professional services is the best tool that allows the company to accomplish both get new customers successful, onboarded, and ensure that existing customers are successful. And if there's misalignment between the implementation of best practices, do a solution review, get professional services, make the customer successful. Maybe we can do another session and dive into that a little bit more in the future, but that's great. I, I've really enjoyed a lot of the ideas that you've shared with us. So Elon, tell us, I mean, you've obviously had amazing experience leading PS organizations and customer success, and now you've taken this venture into your own hands. Tell us a little bit more about your company and what you're uh, intending to accomplish with it. Yeah, thank you. So I recently decided to give back to the community and use my experience to help early stage and mid-stage companies build and scale and grow the professional services and customer success organizations. So what I do is to meet with the company leadership and understand where things are, and I help them improve. I understand where the gaps are, provide a plan and roadmap, how to scale the professional services organization, how to build processes, how to build a culture, how to create a mission, how to create go-to-market offerings, and just you know work with them very, very closely to achieve results as quickly as possible. I love it. It's super exciting for me, and I can't wait to work with great companies and make things happen. That sounds really great and exciting, and I hope it all works out for you. But before we get into it, I also have to ask you about the guitars. I don't think that the listeners will see your background, but you're obviously an, a great player, I must assume, or a fan. I'm not sure. Tell us a little bit about that. I always wanted to play the guitar. And when COVID started about three years ago, I ran out of, out of excuses and started to learn online, practice every day. And I really enjoyed the process. It's really similar in a way, if you think about it, to professional services, because if you start playing an instrument, any instrument, it's really a journey. It's not a destination. That journey never ends. Three years in, I still learn a lot. I still practice. I wouldn't say I'm a good guitar player, but I'm the best I've ever been. And that's a long way to go. Yeah, that journey is really impactful, not only to learn how to play the instrument, but also how you look at life how you look at challenges, how do you look at professional services. I love that. I never wrap up before asking 
you know, something that's a little bit personal and tells the listeners a little bit more about you. So wanted to know what it is that you're reading right now and any particular recommendations that you may have for our listeners. Oh, yeah. I'm an avid reader. So one of the last books I've read is called Who by Jeff Smart and Randy Street. And the purpose of this book is to provide a method to identify and hiring A players. Why is that important? Because the book really states something really simple and really profound, that the number one problem businesses face is who and not what. And what refers to the strategies we choose, the products we and the services we offer, and the offerings that we provide to customers. And the book provides a really great methodology to identify and hire A-plus players. I could not recommend it enough. Highly recommend it. Go read it. You'll be happy you did. How relevant to the topics we've talked about, right? You have your A-team, build the culture, and then lead your way to being a world-class PS organization. So that's awesome. Well, thank you for that. I will definitely be reading it. We'll catch up with you on what I learn and your learnings later. But on that note, thank you again. We really appreciate your time and and all your wisdom that you've shared with everyone. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. As always, we love to hear from our listeners. If you have any follow-up questions for myself or Elon, reach out at podcast at cantata.com. Have a great day, everyone. If you enjoyed this podcast, let us know by giving the show a five-star review on your favorite podcast platform and leaving a comment. If you haven't already subscribed to the show, you can do so anywhere you get podcasts, on any podcast app. And to learn more about the power of Cantata's purpose-built technology, go to cantata.com. Thanks again for listening.